Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Thanks, Robbie. Thank you so much. It's good to be together. We are living in precarious days, aren't we? And it's strange times, all that's going on. And uh, we are trying to keep a, a daily eye to it. It's changing hourly, not just daily, but hourly. Um, not to make fun, but I was watching the Sky News at five o'clock, and it's, it, you know it's serious when Ireland closes its pubs. Um, so... All the Ireland pubs in the south are closed from midnight tonight for um, for t- at least two weeks. So, Miss uh, um, Paddy's then all coming out. It was actually really funny because the newsreader said, "If you want to paint, you better go the night." <laughs> so uh, he did. So, uh, um, so there you go. So it is precarious days. And tomorrow morning at a quarter past ten, after our staff meeting, we are we have asked our elders to come in as well to meet with our core leaders. To, see what happens um, over uh, throughout tonight and tomorrow. So we are keeping a daily checkup. That's why it's probably, as Robbie says, it is important to sign up to the email and especially to Church Suite. If you're not on Church Suite, it'd be really good to get on to that um, so we can keep you informed and we can let you know um, sort of daily what's happening. Um, but there you go, strange times. But God's still in control. A couple, or last Sunday night, I'll took us into John 1, one of my favorite passages, or many, one of my many favorite passages took us into John 1, looking at the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and um, we've been looking around this whole theme of first things first, and looking, um, this was the charge against Ephesus, the church in Ephesus, and sadly, um, Ephesus, well, Ephesus was probably one of the biggest sending centers. It was the church um, that was very powerful in its day. And sadly, the Bible doesn't tell us, but history would tell us that they didn't actually repent and do the things that uh, they did at first and fell away into disarray. And so this was the charge. And so we felt this word really strong on us over the last few months about putting first things first. And as I say, Alan talked about the word, which we love in this church. And so in the beginning was the word, knowing that it was Jesus. And so what I thought we'd do tonight is look at the Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God. Um, and of course, we're looking at the idea that God would do something again, this idea that out of Habakkuk 3, that um, heard of her fame, stand in all of your deeds, but repeat them in our day, just that the fact that God would do again, that he would make himself known in a very powerful way. And we felt that if that was going to happen, that we really needed to put first things first. We needed to, and and do you know what? In all of the things that are going on today, it's not just going to be turn up and do the normal thing, all right? We're going to have to think creatively. We're going to have to think use our imagination a little bit instead of our memory, as Al said this morning in the church that we were at. And so there's something jogging us that, 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 that even while the devil means us for evil, God is, this is the very thing that God could turn around and bring for good. And so we understand that and we know that God is on the move. And so what I want to talk to you about this, this evening is this verse, in the beginning, God. I want us to just 
get our eyes around who God is. I want us to get around the magnitude and the power and the awesomeness of God in the beginning, God. Genesis 1.1, the words Elohim is God in plurality, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. I know Elohim has other meanings, but in this context, it's the story of our lives that makes sense in the big story of God, that we see God from the beginning, God putting this plot in place and setting his story into the heart of a man and a woman and, 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 and just being part of this whole, uh, that we've actually become part of this thing called this incredible God story. I love Isaiah 46. It talks about this. This verse is uh, one of the verses that's been very special to me over the years. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God, and there's none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, and from ancient times, and what is still to come, I say my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. We need to know in these days, don't let our hearts get run away with fear and confusion, because that's the, 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 the devil's the author of those. God's not the author of those. So in the midst of all that's going on in this day and age in which we live, I'd love tonight that we would take our focus and keep that focus in God. And so, and, and at the end, as we worship, that's what I'd love our response to be, that we lift our eyes and we begin to realize who God, the Creator, really is. Because the Bible, as we often say, is essentially God's story. God is the chief character, and He's the author of the story as well. And so it's God's story, and we are there for Him. And the only way we can truly understand and fully um, uh, grab the purpose of our lives is we develop a, a better understanding of the story of God. And so that's what I want us to focus on tonight, just keeping our eyes on Him. We know that the first five books of the the Bible and the book of Genesis were written by Moses. We know that it was written years and years after actually it happened. It was written by Moses to explain to the children of Israel what the real story really was. In a day and age when they were being captivated by all kinds of fairy tales and all other kinds of stories, Moses is called by God to write down um, the, the, the real story. So in a day and age probably when they worshipped everything around them, sun and moon and everything else, we, we, we see that Moses pens the book of Genesis to actually let these people know their story, let them know because then they can line things up. And so the idea wasn't that God um, like sort of fights darkness and wins for creation because God creates out of nothing. God is the creator. God is the one who who creates things with the word, with a voice, with the word out of his mouth is very, very powerful. And so it's not a contest of God against darkness. He's over and above and beyond all of that. You sort of wonder sometimes why God tolerated mankind in the beginning at all. But here we are, and we are part of that story. And so he's bigger than that. He's eternal. God is this powerful God who, who is eternal and independent. This is Adam Clark's idea of who God is, a self-existent being. He has absolute dominion. He's eternally self-sufficient, needing nothing that he's made, known only and fully by himself because infinite mind can only be fully comprehended by itself. In a word, a being who from his infinite wisdom cannot err or be deceived, and from his infinite goodness can do nothing but what is eternally just and right 
and kind. He's a good God. In the beginning, God. God alone is to be worshipped. God alone is the one. And, and you see, when we get this in place, we can deny all the other stories. We can deny all the other narratives around us when we actually know our story and know to whom we belong. I, I, I love stats. You probably know that if you've been coming to our church for any length of time. And so if you look at the speed of light, light travels at 300,000 kilometers per second. Now, that probably doesn't mean anything to you, but what it means is it's 25,000 miles around the world, and if you shot light out of a gun, it could go around the world seven times through me before I could actually step out of the road. That's, that's the speed of light. And so it's incredible. This is God. And so, um, so I, I can get to the moon in one second at the speed of light. All right? The sun is 91 million miles away, and the speed of light gets there in eight minutes. All right? Now, if, keeping that all in mind, if I get into my car and drive to the edge of our galaxy, our known galaxy, at the speed of light, it would take me 50,000 years. <laughs> if I was to drive at the speed of light to get to the edge of the galaxy that we know, it would take 50,000 years. Pretty awesome, isn't it? This is God. This is who we are. Now, there are 17 galaxies in our corner of the universe, but 10,000 other galaxies that we know of, not counting the ones we don't know of. This is God. Now, um, uh, this is the sun, right? The little pointer down there is our earth, for God so loved the world. There's a million of our worlds can go into the sun, a million earths to fit into the sun. So this is the little, where the end of the arrow is, this is the little ball that we, that we live on, all right? And that's our big glowing ball that we don't see that much of in Ireland. But um, it's pretty huge. It's pretty huge, isn't it? But here, here's the thing, all right? Here's the earth and here's the sun, all right? This is sort of the perspective of size, okay? Here, now you see the little arrow in the left-hand corner? That's our sun in relation to some of the other planets. You get that? So there's the earth as regards the sun. That little arrow, that little white arrow, you can't even see it with the naked eye, is our sun and compared with some of the other planets. 25 million of our suns to fit into the planet Antares. 25 million of them, all right? And... and and even bigger than that is this guy here. This is, so this is Antares. This little bit down at the arrow is our sun. This is Hercules, they call him. He's a big boy. And, uh, and they can put, uh, when I say if I get the, if I, the facts here, 100 million Antares into Hercules. This is God. This is God who we think can't handle the coronavirus. Now, I'm not making light of it in any shape or form, but we get into fear sometimes, and we get into all kinds of panic, and we're buying food, the food's firing off the shelf, and loo rolls and everything else, that people are just going mad. And, and the fact is this, the fact is this, folks, you need to, here, here's a little one just before we move on to the next verse. Remember I said to you, see the little red dot in the middle, you are here. 
That's actually our galaxy. That's the galaxy. So that's the one I told you that if you were to drive to the outside of it at the speed of light, it would take you 50,000 years. <laughs> that's the little red dot in the middle. And, and you think of the expansion of the Milky Way and the Council of Giants and on and on and on it goes. This is the incredible thing about our God. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, lift up your eyes and look to the heavens who created all these. He who brings out the star starry host, listen to this, one by one and calls forth each of them by name because of his great power and his mighty strength. Not one of them is missing. That's our God. That's our God. So if you're in fear and panic tonight, you need to get over fear and panic. God's in control. And he, he made all that just to impress you. He made all that just to impress you. It's, it's just, it's mind-boggling when we, and, and, and so Genesis reminds us of this awesome God. He reminds us of this um, incomparable nature of who God is, and he's alive with with transcendence and nearness and his incomparable nature and the closeness of his voice. And we think backwards until time vanishes and forward till our imagination collapses and there's God. That's where God is. He exists, this eternal family, unchanging, undiminished and, and, and full of glory at both points, at both the past and the present. He's God. And, 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 and I love this. I love this fact that that in the beginning, we, we hear the voice of saying, let us make man in our own image. We hear the usness, if that's the right word. Always say it's not good English, but it's good preaching, all right? It's uh, the usness, all right? Let us make man in our image. And there's a, an implication of a, a community of beings, and we, we see that God is one and he's three, and he's three distinct personalities. We've got the Father. We're Trinitarian in belief, so we don't believe in oneness ministry. We believe in God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, are, who are so interlocked and so interdependent that they become one, and they're moving in this joyful, incredible relationship where we get this word Trinity from. It's not a biblical word, but it, it, it sort of explains to us just the oneness and the community of, of, of God the Father and God the Holy Spirit and God the Son, and they're moving in this interlocking um, 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 impenetration of oneness, and then we get invited into that mix. <laughs> Let us make man just like us. Let us make man in our image. Let us make man in our image. And, this, and, and we, we get this sort of, this uniqueness coming into us now. Father, um, Jesus says in John 17, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. And Al talked to us last week about that invitation into the Father's bosom where Jesus is saying, God, let's, let's bring man into this. Let's bring man into this oneness, into this unity, into this fellowship, into this relationship. And we're called. And, and, and it's the only place that we actually truly find life. It's the only place that we actually really, truly find ourselves. Billy Graham said that in every person, there's a God-shaped hole that only God can fill. And it's true, and we try to fill it with all kinds of things, and especially in Western civilization. And we see that crumbling around us. We see 
the world crumbling before our very eyes. Nothing is certain today. Nothing is certain. But can I tell you, God is certain. He's the same yesterday. He's the same today. He's going to be the same forever. He is God. And you and I are called his children. I love that. There's something about that. And it's behold, as John 1 John 3, 1 John 3, 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should become the children of God. And the NIV adds that little line, And so we are. We are his children. And so there's this idea that we're called into this mystical, deep union of the Trinity. And we often say we're created from love, for love, to love. This idea that God makes the, in, in the Genesis account for the first three days, he, he separates and parts, and then the next three days, he just populates and fills. And then on the, on, the, on the seventh day, there's just a complete break. There's this complete break. He makes man on the second half of the sixth day, and then he, he takes a day off, as it were, this day of rest. And God did all this by the breath of his word, just a breath out of his mouth. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 33. He says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. This is God. In the beginning, God. And what we see in this passage is that, which is really important for us to grab tonight, is this loving creator bound to his creation. Bound to us. God and his creation knit together in a oneness. And we know what happened. And the only word that we can use to describe that is the word covenant. It's one of my many favorite words, but it's one of my all-time favorite words in the Bible. I've studied covenant my whole life, and I love it because it's the only way actually to understand the Bible. And if you understand covenant at all, this is my, you're probably sick looking at this if you're from Lurgan, but I, I, it's my little hobby horse, and you've, you've sort of the nine big covenants. You've got everlasting up there, so from everlasting to everlasting, he is God. So that's the everlasting covenant. And then you've got these, this covenant made in, in Eden, all right, and then the fall. That's why it's down there. And then you've this redemptive ladder. Everything was to try and restore. So every one of those uh, the, the covenant with Adam, with Noah, with Abram, with Moses, with Joshua, as he moves into the new land, reestablishing the Mosaic covenant again, the covenant with David, which was a worship covenant that almost looks like a New Testament worship set. It's most incredible. Forty years um, bar, the, bar the beginning of, of that 40 year where it was all done with blood sacrifice. There was no more active blood sacrifice for 40 years. There was just this this move of worship, and it moves right up to the cross where it goes into the new covenant, and, and um, I've, I've done it on a straight line, so try to, um, it's the exact same thing, just in a straight line, which maybe gives you a little bit of idea of where we are in the whole thing, so you don't worry about the 2,000 years, two days, that's just a little theory that I haven't time to go into tonight, all right, keep, I'll keep it for some other night, but um, here, here you have it in a straight line of creation. So it was the green one. And then all the, other, all the other covenants were without the shedding of blood. There's no remission for sin. So you have all the shedding of blood right through all of those covenants, right to the new covenant. And then you'll see between the cross and the line at the end, you have Ephesians 2.10, which is basically works that God foreordained for you to walk in. 
that he actually chose you and he foreordained works for you to walk in. And so he has actually chosen and your job is to find out what he has chosen you to do. It's pretty cool. And so we're, we're somewhere in that. I, I, have, I, I have my line pretty close to the end because I, I, I imagine, I'd like to think it's in my lifetime that we'll see the return of the Lord. And I have no reason at this particular time, if you're watching the same news I am, I was thinking that it's not. And so there's this idea of God coming, this covenant love, this rugged commitment to be with someone and for someone with divine ends. God creates and he sustains his world and covenant was this deep promise that creation would not be left alone. It wouldn't be abandoned. And the risk, of course, the risk, of course, for God was the pinnacle of the creation of mankind. It was the risk because what would happen if they didn't follow him? What would happen if they, they, they disobeyed him? What would happen if they, they didn't keep it? And so we see this in Genesis 1, 26. God said, let's make man in our image, in our likeness. Verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image, in, his image of, in the image of God, he created them. Adam, which means red clay, or one of the earth who's formed in his own image, and and he, and he forms him, and then it says that he breathes into his nostrils the breath of life. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. It says, and the Lord God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. If you look up the word for the Lord there, you'll find it's the word Jehovah, not the word Elohim. It's the word Jehovah. I love it that the one who would redeem him is the one who would breathe life into him in the, in the first place. And imagine that moment when man lay on the ground, a lifeless form, and God, Jehovah, comes and breathes into his nostrils. Think of the imagery of that. When man's eyes open first, what does he see? He doesn't see a world around him. He doesn't see the, 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 the stuff that he sees uh, eye to eye, the very face of God himself. And this was the closeness of God, image bearers displaying his likeness, God-like. And is it any wonder Psalm 8 is one of those incredible psalms where the psalmist almost is wrestling, trying to get his head around what I've just shown you, trying to get his head around the greatness of this incredible God, understanding that, God, you made man in your own image. You crowned him with glory and honor. God, what were you thinking? The psalmist is wrestling with this. We'll look at the psalm in a moment or two. And when you look at the power of humanity, you look at what God made us have a few facts for you. Like the human brain cell. Some of us have more than others. The human brain cell can hold five times as much information as the Encyclopedia Britannica. And there are a hundred billion nerve cells. One can hold more the Encyclopedia Britannica. There's a hundred million of them. A thousand terabytes of storage. Nerve impulses to and from the brain travel as fast as 170 miles per hour. The eyes receive approximately 90% of all information, making us basically visual creatures. And the focusing muscles of the eyes, hear this, move around 100,000 times a day. To give your leg muscles the same workout, you'd need to walk 50 miles every day. You blink over 10 million times a year. The lungs contain over 300 million tiny blood vessels. 
If they were laid end to end, they would stretch 1,500 miles. This is the body. This is the human body. You're going to love this. This isn't a good time to tell you this, but it's the truth. Your skin loses about 30,000 to 40,000 dead skin cells from the surface almost every minute. You're thinking, oh, yuck. Um, Even though you don't see it happening, your skin sheds a layer of these dead cells every 24 hours and renews itself about every 28 days. Pretty incredible, isn't it? Every day, an adult body produces 300 billion new cells. Each kidney contains 1 million individual filters, and they filter an average of around 1.3 liters of blood per minute. The human bone, would you hear this, is as strong as granite in supporting weight. A block of bone the size of a matchbox could support nine ton. That's four times as much as concrete could support. About 32 million bacteria call every inch of your skin home. You're not laughing. Your nose can remember 50,000 different scents. And humans are the only mammals to produce emotional tears. Now, let me give you a few other little details. Relative to size, the strongest muscle in the body is the tongue. Hmm. I mean, that's why the Bible tells us to watch it. The human heart creates enough pressure when it pumps out of the body to squirt blood 30 feet. Your ears secrete more earwax when you're afraid than when you aren't. So you're going to get all into fear over the coronavirus, you're going to get waxy ears, all right? Feet, feet have 500,000 sweat glands and can produce more than a pint of sweat every day. On average, a four-year-old child asks 437 questions a day. And children grow faster in the spring. Fact. Incredible, isn't it? Only 7% of the population are lefties. Let me see all the lefties. There you go. I rest my case. Um, your eyes, your eyes are always the same size from birth, but your nose and your ears never stop growing. You just got to look at mine. All right. There was a joke in a Christmas cracker one time that said, "What is ears but can't hear?" And some of my kids said, "Dad." Um, all right. This isn't a good idea, but when you sneeze, you sneeze at over 100 mile an hour and every bodily function stops, even your heart. Incredible, isn't it? When you sleep, when you sleep, we need to hear this, when you sleep, you grow by eight millimeters, about a third of an inch, and the next day you shrink back to your former height. And the reason is that your cartilage discs are squeezed like sponges by the force of gravity when you stand or sit. During your lifetime, you will produce enough saliva to fill two swimming pools. On an average, a human will spend up to two weeks of his lifetime kissing. There you go. And here's another piece of useless information. A one-minute kiss burns 26 calories. There you go. Guys, let me ask you, are we fearfully and wonderfully made? Are we fearfully and wonderfully made? This is, this is an incredible thing. 
This is an incredible thing. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing that I want to say to you, right? At the time of Jesus, who is the second person of the Trinity, he's looking on thinking carefully because he's about to take on that form that I've just told you about. Imagine that. Imagine that the God, the creator of heaven, looked upon human form that he had created and decided he would become one of us so we could be forever like them. This is pretty incredible. And so God had a special part for man to play. So to enjoy him first and foremost was to co-partner with him. So God's commission to Adam was to go and, and fill the earth and subdue it. And that word subdue is an interesting word. It means to defeat and to conquer and to extend the border of Eden to the whole earth. This was the idea. This He wanted his special revealing presence to fill the whole earth. And he wanted mankind to co-partner with him and be his instrument through which it would come. And the dream was God enjoying man, man enjoying God in perfect harmony and communion and man being God's sort of ambassador um, on earth. And so he gives them some rules. He gives them a home, a vocation to rule over the earth. He gives them permission to eat anything he wanted and enjoy the earth. And he gives them one prohibition. He says, just don't eat of that tree. You can eat of everything else, but just don't eat of that one. And with all of this, God gave man the freedom of choice. He could have made robots, but he didn't. Why did he take this risk? Why did he do this? Well, I'll tell you why he did it. Because God's love is not forced or coerced. God, God, God didn't want us just to be human robots, some sort of thing that, would, that he would make us worship him forever. It had to be by our own will. It had to be by our choice. And so this ultimate love and freedom go together. And, and I love this. I love this idea that, that God's speech is not compelling, but it's inviting. God has a hope in his heart rather than a demand. And so God, as I say, could have, could have made us robust. And there was a risk. Of course there was a risk. But, but there was a freedom. And for, for God, that risk was worth taking. And before there ever was sin, you see, there was a Savior. That's the beautiful thing. God gives us a choice, and uh, he's gifting them with freedom. But this freedom was saying, freedom is living in me. He was wanting man to choose him. And of course, we know the story. And so, here's the thing. Here, here's, let, let, me, let me just read, read through Psalm 8 really slowly, because there's a couple of things I want to say to you as we, we land it tonight. Here's what it says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes. Distill the enemy and the avenger when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you've set in place. What is man that you're mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. And he goes this, he says, yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. You've crowned him with glory and honor and you've given him dominion. That's the only two times in the Bible that word's mentioned. First in Genesis 1 and now in um, Psalm 8. 
He says, I've given him dominion over the works of your hands and you've put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, all the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This psalmist is in awe of God's creation and he's in awe of the place of rule that God was given um, to humanity. And God has written glory over the heavens, but he's written glory over your life. He's written glory over my life. This is the thing. And before original sin, there was original glory. And so this is the thing in surrendering ourselves to Jesus, as Al talked about last week, and restoring ourselves to the bosom and the love of this Godhead, that glory that is written over our lives starts to come to life. Something starts to get alive in us. And so I would say it here, don't get into fear. Don't get into all kinds of panic and confusion. Lift your eyes to heavens. Understand that God is in full control, a God that can do all this and a God that can make you the way you are and you can look around the room and there's not one like you. You're probably saying, thank goodness, but you know, you look around the room and we're just unique. We've got our own unique DNA. And in the words of old Eamon Holmes, this is your life. This is the hymn book. It's all about him. It's all about in the beginning God and in the end, God and the cross in between and us called into that deity with him, heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. I love, I love this because, you know, um, in, in the beginning when, when God, when God gives dominion to man, that word dominion means the right to rule and reign. That's what that word means, the right to rule and reign. And so he gives it to man. But then what happened was we, we know what happened. The, the, the devil creeped in, in in Genesis 3 and he stole the dominion from man. He stole it. And so for, for the next, for the next uh, few thousand years, the, the enemy would be called the prince of the power of the earth. He, he ruled. He ruled and reigned. That's why whenever Jesus was on earth, that the devil could take Jesus to a high mountain and show him all the kingdoms of the world and saying, this is what the devil said to the Son of God, I'll give these to you. How could he do that? Well, because he had dominion. He stole it, you see, in the garden. He had dominion. So he had the right to rule and reign. He had stolen it from man. Now, remember what I said? Before there was ever sin, there was a savior. There was a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And so here, God is this eternal plan all in place. Knowing what man would do, he's the eternal plan all in place. And God, Jesus goes to the cross. He, he, he takes our sin upon him. The Bible says he became sin for us. It's the only, it's the only way that that little verse um, in Isaiah makes any sense. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. I have never made sense of that verse. But I think it's whenever Jesus took on our sin, became sin for us, and in that moment as God looked on him and saw sin, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It's incredible for you and for me. And so what happens is at the cross, it says he cries those immortal words that is finished. He snatches the keys of hell and death, dominion, back out of the hands of the enemy who stole it, and he now rightfully has dominion. 
And who does he give it to? He gives it to us. Talking about second chance. Man, I would have said, not give it to them again because they threw it away the first time. But he, he calls us his bride, the church, and he gives us dominion, to right, the right to rule and reign. Folks, with nothing to fear in this old world. Paul called himself dead to Christ. And when the enemy comes to kill you, you say, I'm already dead to the world. You can't kill a dead thing. You can't kill me. You can't kill a child of God because we have eternal life. Oh, he could snatch this breath from us, but sure, that's absent from the body to be present with the Lord. And he can't do anything without the permissive will of the eternal God in the beginning God. So I'd love us to do. I'd love the guys to come and lead us in worship. And I'd love our response tonight. I'd love us just to worship God tonight. Last week, Al said this about this sort of climbing into the womb. I love that analogy. Climbing into the womb. I have three daughters, two sons, three daughters who are 40 and 38 and 36. And all three of them today give me a hug. <laughs> You're not allowed to, but they did. And uh, they snuggled in. And one of them said to me, Dad, I, I don't need this to be a quick hug. Any kids ever say that to you? I don't need, need this to be a quick hug. I just need to snuggle in. And so we snuggled in. If ever there was a time that you needed to snuggle into the Father, if there was in, ever a time you needed to understand in the beginning was the Word, if ever there was a time that you needed to understand in the beginning God, He is in full control. He's not switching to plan B. He doesn't need to do that. He's in plan A. He's a way ahead. He is this all worked out. And we're in the palm of his hand. I love what it says. That It says, no man shall pluck them out of my hand, Jesus says. He says, my father who gives them to me is greater than all, and no man shall pluck them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. If that doesn't make you feel pretty secure, I don't know it will. So Father, I pray tonight that as we set our sights on the fact that God, in the beginning God, the fact that he is all-powerful, in control of all things, knowing the end from the beginning, calling us again, giving us dominion, giving us the right to rule and reign in this old world. Lord, if there ever was a time that the church needed to rise up, Lord, what a fearful society needs as a strong church. What a fearful society needs today as a church that rises up and understanding their commander-in-chief and follows him to the ladder of the law. And yes, we'll use wisdom. And yes, we'll listen to the, uh, the, the, the ideas that the government are giving. That would be sensible and wise to do that. But we are under the management of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Father, thank you that nothing formed against us shall prosper. Thank you, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. So God, we look to you tonight and we ask you that you would bless this place, bless every family represented, bless every home, 
Bless every symptom of this thing, we pray, and bring healing to it in the name of Jesus. Father, may this be the time that your church across the world rises and shines. May this be the time that your church across the world takes its rightful place, understanding who they are, children of the Most High God. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.